Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks. Our four heroes have made their way to the elemental plane of water as they are hunting down one of the lost instruments of the bards. They know the instrument is located on the one landmass on this plane, known as the Isle of Dread, and suspect that it's currently in the possession of a fearsome topaz dragon named Silragurlith. They've met some of the inhabitants of Elderwood, a town filled with native turtles, as well as those shipwrecked after being sucked into the plane of water, and have learned about a teleportation circle located near a volcano, which will greatly help with transportation back and forth from the island to the material plane. After a few days of travel and a fearsome battle with some lava creatures, they've secured the portal, as well as blessings for Shadow the Bear from the fire elementals who live there. Now, after a long rest in their magical pocket house, the group and their guide, Quat, prepare to make the journey back to Elderwood. And now we pick up that adventure already in progress. At this moment, you are all sitting around the dinner table in your very nice pocket house, enjoying a uh, Carlton. Give me a performance check. And I will give you advantage on this because they are, you've put a lot of effort into this garden. Eleven. A very nice ratatouille. Solid effort. It's like home style, not like chef professional, but it's also, it's, it's you know, like when I, you go to serve it, it kind of like falls apart and loses its presentation a little bit. Like it's still tasty, but it doesn't like, it's not that perfect plate like you get in the movie. Right. It's, it's right? more like the, yeah. the stuff that Ego got from his mom where it's the, yeah. it, it was tried to be presented but it kind of like fell right, apart like when it comes out of the uh the cooking vessel like it's there and it looks pretty but as soon as you start plating it up it just like the layers all like slide and like it's a little runny on the plate still delicious and yep. tasty but yeah it's because i'm assuming 10 11 10 is an average right so paul hollywood would be like presentation is awful but, but the flavors are there flavors yes. are there Bernie had been um, in the back of her like mind. She had been like trying to decide if she needed to do create charcuterie, and then you like serve it, and she tastes it, and she's like, "No, this is good. It's good. It's hearty. Uh, it's definitely refreshing after all of the heat of the day. And there's definitely some vegetables in this garden that Quat has either not had ever or not had in a very long time. So uh, he is certainly enjoying it for the uniqueness of some of the, the vegetables. Um, and I will ask the Modrons to collect some of the seeds uh, and have them prepared so that Quat can take them back. Well, sir, if you would prefer, uh, we actually have several bushels of zucchini down in the basement because, uh, as you are very well aware, they are quite prolific. Great. Uh, we will, when we leave here, we will take a cup. I will put some in the bag and then we can get them back to the can uh, the town and then the town can have some zucchinis. They can have quite a lot of zucchinis, actually. It has been a little while since you have been here. Uh, we, you know... We want to come more often, but sometimes we find ourselves in hostile territories, and we don't want the cobalt incident again, do we? 
I totally understand. And uh, we really do value your your time when you are able to come. And we appreciate the fact that you do wait until it is safe to come. Uh, however, th- there are currently seven bushels of zucchini that you need to take out, <laughs> of, the, the, out of the basement because it has been a few days. Thanks, Alice. We need to set up a, a, a produce stand of some kind. Once I'm done, like once dinner's done, I will go down to the basement and I will fit. I guess Seven they have bushes. managed to acquire. We've, we've we've determined that like just dumping things in the pocket dimension, they don't mix. Like so, when we have the swamp water, everything didn't come out swampy, right? Correct. So I don't have to put the actual basket and bushel in. I could just dump the zucchini in. But it might help so that you don't yell zucchini. And you don't have a wave of zucchini rushing out <laughs> me in the to face. hit you in the face. I want to see that gift well, now. Well, my issue is, is I'm assuming a bushel is very large. Yes. And the bag only has such a big opening. Okay. So I can't put something in the bag that is bigger than the opening of the bag. So the, when, <laughs> so a couple of things. When Alistair Duke is talking about a bushel, he is talking about a, a quantity. However, okay. when you head downstairs, it is not that there are several large bushels as in in a a container that could contain an entire bushel because there were no bushels containers Good. in the well, house they they he made it clear we're not here enough so i assume they got bored yeah well uh <laughs> you know bushels. there's <laughs> zucchini are a thing so there are 56 pounds in a bushel and there are seven <laughs> of them and there are currently multiple i knew there was a lot in a bushel like i knew it was a lot i couldn't remember how much was in so some of you might find that some of your spare pillows no no longer 50 pounds of zucchini listen zucchini is one of those things have you ever grown zucchini yeah yeah, there you go. I'm. That's all I'm going to say. So you go downstairs to the basement, and it is practically filled with zucchini. Uh, in... I don't know why this broke me. It broke me. For those of you who use the metric system, I have no clue what that is in kilograms. I'm sorry. But that's a, it's a lot. Divide by 2.2. 2. There you go. Seven bushels of zucchini broke me. <laughs> Are you guess okay? Bernie's upstairs, like, concerned about the mental well-being of the Modrons, because, like, she's getting worried that they're lonely. And then she just hears crying from the basement. Carl cry laughing from the basement. She's like, Carlton? (coughs) Carlton? And then she, like, goes downstairs. She and Grub on a farm. She goes, oh. And then she just leaves. She's going to walk. She goes, you you know what? These are yours. Because, like, Carlton had an idea of a bushel because he spent time on farms and around animals. But it's been a number of years, and similar to how all of us, like, oh yeah, Bush is just like a big barrel full, like not a pound. And then he just sees a sea of zucchini, and it just breaks him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, Travancore, I see you. Travancore, well, Travancore is sort of like has dollar signs in his eyes. He thinks about the economic opportunities of being able to sell winter zucchini in, in Waterdeep. Winter zucchini. That might be the name of this episode is Winter Zucchini. <laughs> so yes, you, here's what I'll say that you know, because the Modrons have basically acquired any, anything that they could put zucchini in, and, and even then there are zucchini just lying everywhere. <laughs> just, it, it's just, full of zucchini. 
It is an entire basement full of zucchini. We <laughs> got for a little while. I'm gonna stretch my bucket. <laughs> Life is like no, a hurricane. No, because the zucchini are gonna burst under your weight because there's not that enough zucchini. That's not enough like, zucchini exactly, like, for you. How does Scrooge McDuck not break every bone in his body every time he dove Because in. animation. Yeah. Because animation, you are not Scrooge McDuck. So so anyway, <laughs> what I will say is that uh, some of the containers of zucchini could be put directly into your bag of holding. Uh, some of them, no. Uh, you would have to like pour the zucchini in or put it in a different container. So it is kind of up to you how much zucchini you want to take. I would want to know how much of it is loose zucchini and how much of it is in a container of some sort. Just for fun. For no reason whatsoever. We're going to have a wave of zucchini. Yeah. Yeah. Carlton is like, John the player is like, all right, we're going to do this. Carlton is completely overwhelmed right now. Yeah. He's like, oh, I did not think this through. Carlton would not think to put it in containers. I'm telling you right now. Exactly. Carlton is like, I've got to get rid of this before it all goes rotten. (laughs) So he's just going to start shoveling in. He's going to start at the base of the steps and he's going to make a path. Yep. And he's just going to start. Yep. All right. And then he'll be like, Hey, Modrons, when I go to bed, can you finish my uh, putting these in here for me? Uh, leave, like, two bushels for us. I'm actually going to ask the Modrons if there's any spare, like, wood planks flying around or anything we'd use to build something they hold the zucchini in. Unfortunately, nothing of that size. But if you could bring some of the materials to us, we'd be more than happy. Because I, I don't know if you've noticed, but the plants that produce the zucchini are, are still very viable and doing quite well. You'd be surprised at how well they are doing in a environment and where it was always temperate and nice how's my lemon tree Uh, your lemon tree is also doing very well also i would like to point out my theory on why scrooge mcduck does not break his bones when he swims in the money bin sure you will remember that his scrooge's lucky dime contains magical properties that are coveted by one magicka to spell yes from the original ducktail series and probably in the new one too so i i submit that that lucky dime is not just any ordinary 10 cent piece, but does contain protective magical properties that protect Scrooge McDuck's hollow bird bones. I mean, that's as logical of an explanation Honestly, as I've ever heard. Yeah, why not? That sure. makes sense. We'll go for it. Okay, so Carlton is going to fill the bag of holding with zucchini. You you will be able to fill, you will be able to empty out most of the the zucchini that's in the basement into the bag, although your bag is now quite close to being very full. Don't worry, we're going to get rid of it in town. Dinner is a success, even if it did end in zucchini. Is there anything else anyone would like to do tonight before you all take a fairly safe long rest? Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to begin the preliminary equations and arcane diagrams for a new version of Rary's telepathic bond that lasts longer and has separate voice channels. And he's going to call it a bait discord. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonathan, roll me an arcana check. While he's doing that, Katie just checked in on me to make sure that I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I knocked Please. my iron down earlier and Steven text message. I'm going <laughs> to use a point of luck on that. You have luck left after this day? Holy crap. <laughs> Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, because I actually didn't use much because I I never really... Yeah, you were just holding concentration for most of that. Yeah. And Uh, and a lot of magic missiles. A lot of hardcore magic missiles. Ooh, Last one. (laughs) Sure, let's do this. 
There we go. 27. Okay. You're very successful in the planning stages of this altered version of the spell. Having used, what was that, four points of luck? Three. Three? All three. I want to know the role-playing wise, what does that look like when Jonathan has to use this, this magical luck in order to get to the spark of inspiration that starts the spell? So as he's, uh, as he's working on it, he starts like, he starts doing some of the math as it were. And then he, he, ta- I, I figured it's like, it's sort of runic equations. And then he has to make sort of like a, a circle diagram like of of the spell and where like magical points connect and his first translation of his equation to that diagram isn't really working right and he's it's it's okay it's serviceable but then bucks uh who is asleep in his little owl bed starts having a lucid owl dream and knocks over a uh uh one of his inkwells just like and just has oh. a little spasm and and knocks it over. He's like, oh, crap, 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 crap. So Jonathan the Magimuscular is like, okay, press digitate that away. Okay, press digitate that away. And on his second press digitation, uh, he realizes that he missed one of the little, like, lines of ink. And it's great. It's like the piece he was missing. It takes, it elevates what he had been doing originally. He's like, oh, okay. This makes much more sense, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Thanks, Bucks. He's gonna Aww. give him a little pet, give him a little kiss, and then uh, and let him let him continue his his wild owl dream, whatever it is. I guess Jonathan the Magimuscular would probably get maybe like get some impre- some like latent impressions of the dream, like like he he sees himself in a little suit of armor with a little helmet and a little sword in a different realm somewhere else as a night owl. Have you been playing Humblewood? <laughs> I'm making a Humblewood reference, yes, and and okay, planning right. a Humblewood campaign. All right, and uh, yeah, you you make really good progress on this spell, um, which I'm going to put forth. There's a moment where Jonathan the Magic Muscular thinks about calling this instead of Rary's telepathic bond, Bucks's telepathic bond. But yeah, is there anything else anyone else wants to do for the evening before getting a long rest? Nah, Carlton's uh, pretty tired from all. He's not tired from fighting a volcano. He's tired from shoveling zucchini. <laughs> Bernie's tired because she used a lot of high-level health spells, and she's just wiped. Yeah, you you all did some good hard work, so uh, long rest is warranted. Quat actually just ends up curling up in the living room in one of the chairs, uh, like pulling it next to the fireplace, and seems to be perfectly comfortable doing that. Though I will offer him the guest room when I see that, but if he is perfectly content, I will not. Oz, oh, the guest room. Wow, your place is fancy. Because yeah, is we had really... five rooms for the four of us, right? Carlton, why do you smell like zucchini? Well, remember when I said I was going to bring back zucchini for the uh, for the town? Yes. I'm going to bring back some zucchini for the town. Okay. <laughs> and yes, you're right. He does. There is a guest room. Uh, he is very happy to take the guest room and the bed. Um, and you do get a long rest. Three Azimar and a Tiefling are sent to a strange new world on a divine mission. 
Trouble is, when they arrive, none of them can remember what the mission is, and only one of them has any interest in the god that sent them. Join Briathos, Bizdira, Kit, Flick, and DM Jazzy Hands as they play matchmaker with kobolds, assassinate Yuan-Ti political figures, and completely, if accidentally, disrupt the delicate equilibrium of the world they found themselves in. Reviewers call it a patchwork of beautiful storytelling, immersive roleplay, and a healthy sprinkling of humorous banter. The Last Refuge is a weekly D&D actual play podcast set in a completely original world. Check us out at dndlastrefuge.com. Happy gaming, y'all. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams in a single grand adventure. And it is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, Sea Team, Silver and Steel, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idol Champions, we're fortunate to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on December 13th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. S-E-C-H-B-O-K-O-R-A-T-H so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got for your champions. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. In the morning, the Modrons have prepared a uh, basic breakfast for you, and Quat is detailing out the the trip back to town. He is hopeful that if you well, I'll, I'll say this. If you're willing to do a little bit of night travel, I might be able to get us back in 14, 15 hours. Really hard day, get back in one day. I was trying to be cautious on the way out because we are headed into unfamiliar territory. But at this point, as we go back, it gets more familiar the further I go and the safer we go. So if we get close, do you want to just push on and do this yeah let's, sure. let's play it by ear let's go our normal pace and if we're feeling good feeling safe we'll we'll we'll, we'll trunk through normally jonathan the match muscular would propose teleporting back to the village but i think it would be valuable to make the trip back as a group that way we can we can all collaborate a little bit on the guide to get from there to there to uh to to elderwood uh because not every wizard that's going to come through is going to have teleport. Okay, yes, I can do this. We will, we will travel, and I will, I will keep a close eye on the time, and we will see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. All right. Unless there's anything else you'd like to do in your pocket house, the Modrons will wave goodbye. Quat will, interestingly enough, pat each one on the head twice in a a weirdly familial motion and and he will say thank you for your your hospitality and he will follow you out of the pocket house and travancore are you once again claiming the nut uh the nut i do claim awesome and with that as we as you make the trip back i would like two people to roll percentile dice Ooh, I want to roll a percentile dice. All right, so Bernie's taking one. Who's taking the other? I'll do the other uh, one. Yeah, oh, Carl wants to do it. Okay, thanks. Nope. Is there any bonuses? Nope, just a uh, While they're rolling that, I'm going to ask Jonathan, hey, bud, you know, like, 
when we drop things in the pocket house, it just kind of falls forever, mm-hmm. like outside the the land. Right. Do you have any magics that can keep things in place for a while or permanently, like though it doesn't levitate or fall? So maybe it just like creates it. It just gets rid of that. It's just a floor. Yeah, basically, remember how we were doing destructive engineering outside of the volcano? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of maybe some constructive engineering, and maybe we can get some more earth and expand the plot. But I don't know how to do The only thing mm. about that I'm good at is bringing in the material. It's going to take some of the uh, the engineers at Destructive Engineering Co. to figure right. out how to make right, that right. work. Yeah, this, is, this is an interesting uh, project proposal. So what I think we might do is maybe maybe some sort of form of my wall of force spell and expand out the walkway and give, like you said, some more area under the house. Because I'm not sure how the house stays suspended. But uh, once we get back to Waterdeep and uh, we have a little bit more time, that may be a project that we tackle. Yeah. Where is your wall can... of force permanent, though? No, it's not. But we'd have to right. we'd have to figure out a way to make it permanent. Make it permanent, and then we can add the. Yeah, so we do like a base level of wall, permanent wall of force, and then we put the terrain on top of it so that we can have planting and walkways and maybe like a little gazebo, zen garden for Bernie or something. Yeah, we and we it may be possible to expand whatever foundation that the house is currently on. We may not need to add something new. We just stretch what's all what's already there. Yeah, I wonder how. I don't think Rachel. Oh, it is technically her house. We probably have to have her sign off on the permits. Oh right, yeah. We're just we're just borrowing it for a while. Unless the do you think the Modrons have power of attorney to uh, sign off on those things? We'll ask them. Yeah, we'll ask them next time we're there. Okay. <laughs> As this I just love Lauren's face during all of that. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about all of your plans. So while this conversation is going on, Bernie, what'd you roll? Bernie got a nineteen. And Travancore, what did you roll? Seventy-two. Awesome. So your trip back towards the town at first starts off pretty boring. It is another gray overcast sky. There is a a, a chill wind in the air. It is still warm in the jungle, but there's a, a wind blowing off of the ocean that brings with it a, a spiky chill. And the further you go, the more the wind picks up and picks up and picks up. And now the clouds are rolling and rain is starting to fall and while it does not deluge there are those big thick raindrops that are practically buckets in and of themselves that just splatter onto the ground around you which is Uh, okay because we got our morton's fisherman rain slickers that bernie made everyone buy yes that's true it helps. It helps a lot because there is still the rising steam and heat from the jungle, but these freezing cold raindrops that are massive. And as they fall and splash up and you can hear them everywhere. And there's a moment. Sorry, I'm just thinking of uh, everybody's passive perception. Carlton. 23. Yeah, I know. I know. Carlton. One of those raindrops sounds not like rain. No, that was something falling. And you look over and you see there's a fish lying on the ground. And it's it's alive. It is wriggling. It seems to be like a small, small trout. Still seems to be alive. Obviously injured. Wait, a trout? 
A ri- they're at their river? A, a, a trout-like size. Oh, it's not okay. an actual trout. Oh, but it's, like, it's, yes, I, uh... it's, it's a good size fish, but it is... You can't tell what kind of fish it is. I was just using trout as a size. Oh, okay. I was very confused for a second. So I've heard of raining cats and dogs and raining men, but I haven't heard of raining fish Hallelujah. before. Hallelujah. I have not heard of any of that. I have not heard of raining fish. What? What are you looking at? And I point out the fish. Ah. Oh, that is strange. And everyone give me perception checks. Just the four of you, not your... Oh, actually, let me ask. Jonathan, is Bucks currently flying or not? Bucks is probably riding in Jonathan the Magimuscular's hood. Like, not okay, on his then... pocket dimension, but actually just kind of riding along. So he had a weird weird sleep last night, so he's a little he's a little tuckered. Okay, then just the four of you, please. Does Buck <laughs> sleep in a tiny bed like people? Because, I mean, he's not really an owl. He's a celestial, so this is just one of many forms. So my head Buck sleeps in a little tiny bed like he's people. He does sleep in a little tiny bed. I was going to say, if not Carlton, I know Carlton's next project. Build an owl bed. He's he's got a little uh, he's got a little owl bed. It's very cute. So your very cute owl is nestled up in your hood. But what's your perception check, Jonathan? My perception check is uh twenty. And natural twenty or just a no, 20? Just soft twenty. Okay, and Carlton. It would be a twenty uh one. And Bernie. Bernie got a sixteen. Oh, before anything pops off, Jonathan the Magimuscular grabs the back of Carlton's head and uh, casts man mind blank on him. <laughs> okay. I thought we just had that as like a thing you do every day, no matter what. This is funnier. Yep. <laughs> All of that is now, true. like, it was like Carlton didn't get, didn't get it first thing in the morning. He's like, all right, well, I guess he's just, if it's going to be a long day, he's just preparing. And then all of a sudden, Steve will have me, The fish were inspiration. Uh, yes. Travancore, what would you get? Uh, better than the white wing tug, Travancore rolls past the edge and gets to 17. You know what? You all see this. So as you have, you've made this travel away from the volcano. And if you remember when you had left the town, you basically went up in elevation for quite a while until then it lowered a little bit and you came to the volcano. You've reached the point going back of the highest bit of elevation. And because of that, even Bernie, who is not quite as tall, can see this. The roiling clouds above you that are heralding a storm, but you're not sure from what direction, make you look out towards the water. And as you all scan, because you're high enough now in the uh, on the island in order to even see over some of the, the tree line, especially in front of you where the, uh, the path clears a bit, you see something... A little horrific, but it's so far away you think you might be okay. And that's a water spout. The water is just churning way out in the endless ocean and being sucked up into the clouds miles away. This water spout must be massive. You can't hear it. You can't feel it. But now... As you see this column of water rising into the sky and you feel the rain from the the water that is falling around you and, and maybe even one of you look up and a little bit of it splashes on your face and you taste the salt and then another fish falls in front of you. Very confused. And Quat says, uh, we might want to get under some uh, leaves or uh, but 
this could be dangerous if there, if a lot of fish are going to fall from the sky. Give me 10 minutes. Are we going to fight the ocean? Ah. Give me 10 minutes. Carlton pulls out a sword. No, never mind. Change my mind. Tree, 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 tree. <laughs> What'd you say, Jonathan? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to deploy a wall of force above us that's going to last. Can he cast a, con- a spell that requires concentration and then work on ritually casting another? I'm going to say no, okay. because I don't know what the the rules are, but it feels like ritually casting. I think ritual does take up your concentration. Yeah, okay. that feels yeah, that like it, that, it feels like it would take up your concentration. So sadly, no. Okay. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to ask Quat. Quat, do you think this lasts longer than 10 minutes? I have no idea. I've never seen this before. Okay. Give me 10 minutes. And he, Jonathan Magimuscular starts casting uh, Taniyat. Okay, Quat will lead you off the path under the largest tree that he can find as the raindrops get bigger, as the fish get more frequent, as you can now... Fish s- into the bag. Fish into the bag. <laughs> fish <laughs> into the bag. I want you to roll a dexterity no. saving throw, not an no. advantage. No! Bernie ceases, says... Seven! Quite distinct, so much. No, we've determined that they do not interact. They don't interact, but they do last. Um, or th- there is time in the bag. With a seven, you have to leave the the tree above you is protecting you mostly, especially from some of the larger fish. But you do have to leave the safety of the tree to go and retrieve some of those fish. You get beaned in the head with a fish. <laughs> oh no! You're not exactly sure what kind of fish it is. You hear the crack of it. And feel it stop moving as it smacks you on the forehead. You take one point of damage. You take one point of fish damage. And a dead fish falls onto the ground. And I go, dinner. Jonathan, you are able to cast Tiny Hut just in time. As the raindrops are getting more and more consistent. As there's now seaweed and clumps of coral and all sorts of stuff that this giant water spout has churned up from the ocean and flung into the atmosphere that is now falling all around you. And literally moments after the dome springs up around you, the the gentle-ish rain that was just giant drops now becomes almost a waterfall, almost a fireman's hose of salt water and whatever is at the bottom of an ocean and it's it's dangerous it is horrifying it is kind of neat the the dome actually it, it is so covered in water that you can see it running down the sides and it's impossible to see out for a good 30 to 40 seconds outside of the dome. It is just running water and the occasional smack of something hard. And then it just stops. And then it is immediately quiet. And as the water continues to pour off of the dome and reveals the area around you, it is covered in dirt and rocks and coral and bits of reef and all sorts of plant life and kale and bits of fish and an octopus it's just like someone took an entire section of the ocean and dropped it all around you but you do also notice as you all kind of 
walk back out of the tiny hut and peer back around. The water spout has dissipated. The sky has started to clear. And as you look towards where the town is, as you can just barely see, not even the town, just the clearing near the ocean where the town is way off in the distance, the trail of spray from what was left of this water spout is still falling from the sky. But now as the light continue, as the light comes back to the area, a rainbow appears framing the town. And that is where we will pause. As the two of you rolled some very interesting things on this table <laughs> about <laughs> fish and rainbows. And the next time we get together... You will be arriving at Elderwood. The rest of the trip goes unimpeded. You and you will be entering the town. It will be late, late, late in the evening. The sun, the sky will have darkened, uh, but you will have safely arrived. And uh, next time we get together, we'll start there. But first, let me give you some experience for zucchini. That's it. That's all I gotta say. Uh, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you twelve thousand experience split between the four of you. The next time we get together, we will see what happens next on the Isle of Dread. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Magic Dance, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.